As, um, as I watch um, children dance this morning, I'm reminded of uh, families who won't get a chance to see their children dance in this life um, anymore. Like um, all of you, I'm sure, Dave Beatty and I were uh, lamenting over the tragedy that took place on Friday at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. And uh, Dave reminded me of a true story about a man named Henry. And as I looked into the story even further, I found that uh, it fits well this morning. It fits with what's happened in Connecticut And it fits with the hope of Christmas that we've been talking about the past several weeks. And so I'd like to share it with you. The story goes like this. His name was Henry. And in 1843, Henry married Frances Appleton. And they settled down to a quiet life in Cambridge, Cambridge, Massachusetts. The very next year, the young couple were blessed with the birth of their first child, Charles. And over the next several years, Henry and Francis had five children in all, and life was good. Then in 1861, tragedy struck both the nation and the family of Henry and Francis. The American Civil War broke out in April, and a few months later in July, Frances was fatally burned in an accident when her dress caught fire. Her husband, Henry, was there and burned himself badly trying to smother the flames that engulfed his wife, but he was too late, and Frances died the next morning. On Christmas Day, Henry had the habit of journaling. And on that Christmas Day in 1861, several months after Francis died, Henry wrote in his journal, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. The following year in 1862, a year after his wife's death, Henry wrote, I can make no record of these days, better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. And then on Christmas Day that same year, Henry's journal reads, A Merry Christmas! say the children, but that is no more for me. Almost a year later, in 1863, Henry received the word that his oldest son, Charles, a lieutenant in the Army of the Potomac, 
had been severely wounded in the war. And Henry's journal on that Christmas day, that year, is silent. And then, on the following Christmas day in 1864, Henry wrote once again in his journal. And Henry, whose full name many of you know, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a godly man, he wrote in his journal on Christmas Day in 1864 a poem that would one day become a familiar Christmas song. I'd like to read for you a portion of that poem that Henry wrote uh, out of his own great loss on that Christmas Day um, a few short months before the Civil War finally ended in three and a half years after he lost Francis. And I think Henry's poem captures very well, I would imagine, what many of us are feeling this morning. And I would imagine uh, what those families in Newtown are going through this Christmas as well. And Henry wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Until ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black Accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There's another true story that fits well this morning. Because you see, Newtown, Connecticut isn't the first small town to experience the devastating massacre of young children around Christmas. Because 2,000 years ago, it also happened in the small town of Bethlehem. 
That story is recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, where I'll begin reading at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh and Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said... through the prophet Jeremiah, was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And in one horrible morning in Bethlehem, an unsuspecting town was suddenly filled from end to end with sounds of wailing and mourning. Mothers held the lifeless bodies of their toddlers and wept inconsolably. These were their beloved sons their hopes for the future, and they were 
no more. They didn't even have the hope that justice would be done for, it wasn't a foreign enemy that had done this monstrous deed, but their own ruler, Herod. Who would give them justice? What consolation could anyone bring them? Today, in the wake of the Newtown tragedy, there are renewed calls for things like greater gun control, better counseling techniques, and and beefed-up security systems. I heard at least one politician and news reporter ask the same desperate, heartbroken, rhetorical question, how many more times does this have to happen before we do something about it? And while things like gun control or counseling or security may well be prudent and helpful, by all means, let's pursue everything we can to help prevent this from ever happening again. Every proposed action I've heard on the news this weekend from politicians and reporters, well, they all fall well short of truly solving the problem of evil in the world. It seems to me that if we learn anything from tragedies like this, let us learn that the ultimate cause of the massacre in Newtown, the massacre in Bethlehem, countless massacres before and between, let's learn, shall we, that the ultimate cause is nothing less than the sin that cripples the universe and stains the human heart. And let us remember, especially at Christmas, that it was for this reason that Jesus is born. He was not born to provide us with an opportunity to celebrate December the 25th and to to give each other presents, however pleasant and delightful and appropriate that might be. Jesus did not enter into the world to give us traditions, however meaningful those traditions might be. Jesus was not born to simply give us wise sayings or even to do miracles, however helpful those things are. No, Jesus was born to save his people from their sins, to save creation from the awful effects of the fall. God came down himself to fix it, and he was born to do away with murder and death and to make it possible even for this sin-sick world in which awful things like the murder of little children happens to be cleansed of every stain of sin and replaced with a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Jesus came that there might be a day when heartbreaking events like these might never happen again, a day when justice will be eternally done and a day when his redeemed people might enter into an eternity in which God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, a day when there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. We're reminded, or we should be, 
by awful events like Newtown of our terrible need for that work of redemption from sin and its effects to be completed. And so our hearts long for, hope for, the coming of that baby in the manger, the return of the Messiah and a final end once and for all to sin and suffering. So I too ask the same desperate, heartbroken, rhetorical question that I heard being asked. How many more times does this have to happen before we do something about it? But I ask that question in light of the hope of Christmas, the hope that offers the only real and lasting solution. And so the question should really be, how many more times does this have to happen before people and nations repent and turn to Jesus, the only true source of justice, the only real hope, the only lasting consolation? How much longer before every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? How long before we all, like the Magi, bow down and worship the one who gave his own life as a ransom for many? How long before the world fully accepts the gentle yoke of Jesus to love God with all our hearts, all our souls, all our might, and to love others as ourselves. How long, how many more times does this have to happen before we do something about it? Well, my friends, the hope of Christmas is that God did do something about it. And his solution is right there. Offered by God this Christmas again and offered by God in grace every moment of every day for all who would simply accept it and take on his yoke of love for the world to accept as its own. How long before we do? In researching Longfellow's story and poem, I was stunned to come across a presidential proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, who upon the end of the Civil War appointed a national day of fasting, of all things. Can we even imagine such a presidential act in more modern times? And in that proclamation, Abraham Lincoln prompted Americans to rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former condition of unity and peace. At Christmas, we remember and celebrate and even dance to the truth of the matter. We remember and celebrate that God did 
hear on high the cry of his people. And he did answer with the blessing of all blessings. He sent his son Jesus to restore all creation to its former condition of unity and peace. Oh, praise the Lord. And as for Henry, well, God did with Henry what God does. And what he offers again to anyone here today. God found Henry stuck in the muck and mire of his despair. And God rescued him and restored him, giving Henry renewed peace and renewed hope. And so Henry was able to lift his head from the despair of the sixth verse of his poem and finish his famous poem this way. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I'll ask the question that uh, we've been asking each other for the last few weeks in light of the hope of Christmas. How will we respond even in the midst of such evil in the world? Will we refuse this hope, even push against it as Herod did? Or will we respond like the Magi did, who upon being guided to Jesus, upon seeing the star to show them the way, were overjoyed. And then when they saw him, the mighty, the rich, the proud bowed down and worshipped Jesus. Because they saw him as he is. The only real and enduring hope of the world. And oh, may that be said of us, my brothers and sisters this Christmas and the whole year through. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's a strange mix at first sight and at first feel the feeling of despair that comes soaring out of Connecticut at a time when our hearts are also feeling joy and celebration at the precious gift of your Son. Father, engender in all of us, and especially in those families and community in Newtown, the certainty and the hope that when the darkness is darkest, the light is even brighter Father, give us the humility 
to respond to the hope of Christmas again this year. Despite of the evil in the world and indeed because of it, Father, to respond with humility and worship of the only one who can restore us and completely heal us and our world. Father, we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Revive Christian Studio is back to give us a benediction, a song that was chosen long before last Friday morning. God is good. Let's watch.
May God bless us, everyone. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Go in peace.